0: Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. Hi, everybody. Happy Wednesday. It's not Sunday. It's Wednesday. But here we are gathered together in the house of the Lord. And it's a great thing to be able to come here twice a week. Some of us, I'm sure, would come here even more than twice a week if we could. Hint, hint, hint. Uh, Pastor Phil and his family, hello to Florida, where they're watching from. Wishing them, obviously, a safe return uh, so they can be back here for Sunday. Uh, we all rely a lot on what they do, and uh, it's very apparent when they're not here, isn't it? Yeah. No, Kayla. No, Jesse. No, Philip. No, Pastor Phil. It's a little different. Not quite the same gospel. A Baptist church, but uh, you know what? You know what the Bible says about the church. Every member, meaning every single one of you sitting here, we're all members of the body. The church is the body of Christ. Every single one of us has a role to play. So you could be the oldest, the youngest, the smartest, the brightest, the slowest (laughs) it doesn't really matter because god's going to use you for a purpose if you're willing the important thing is to make yourself available to god do you give god the time and if you're giving god time how much time do you give him amen i'm going to preach a message tonight we're going to turn to matthew 26 i'm going to preach a message tonight called one hour one hour is the name of this message and a little later on i'll need a volunteer but not yet We can wait on that. Amen. Matthew 26. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. So if you find Mark, it's right before Mark. If you find uh, Malachi, Matthew is right after Malachi. Matthew 26. We're going to start in verse 30 when we get there. I'll give everybody a a moment. Um, It always amazes me that I'm able to walk up here and stand up here and preach. Because if you think I'm qualified to be up here, No, (laughs) no, 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 not at all. It's only by the grace of God that I'm able to do anything up here, or really anything at all. And uh, I just praise my God every day for what he's done for me and my family, amen? Amen. Matthew 26, Uh, we're going to start in verse 30, I'm going to read verses 30 to 40. Matthew 26, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives now, this is, the, this is the night, just to preface, this is the night of the Last Supper. Okay, so this is happening immediately after the, Supper, the Last Supper. This is the night that Jesus gets betrayed, turned over to the, the Romans, and he gets crucified the next day. So this is, just for context, this is about 14, maybe 16 hours before Christ goes to the cross. Okay? Verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written... I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this uh, service tonight, Lord, that we're able to gather together and listen to your word, Lord. We thank you for uh, just all the amazing things that you've done for us, Lord. And we thank you for saving us, Lord, for salvation, Uh, Lord, we just pray that uh, your message tonight would be your words, your your message, what you would have us hear, Lord. And please strengthen us on this Wednesday night that we might go back out into the world after this, Lord, and be refreshed and ready for whatever you would have us do. And I just pray all these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, one hour. Now, the very last verse here that I read was verse 40. And what happens here? What's what's going on? So, Christ, before he uh, gets betrayed... He goes out into the garden to pray. And he did this frequently. He did this at night all the time. He would go off by himself onto a mountaintop or into a garden or wherever he was, he would go off to pray. He loved to do it. And listen, if Jesus Christ knew it was good to pray, it's good for all of us to pray. Amen? Uh, It's not above anyone to to speak to God. And he asks his disciples that go with him, he just asks them to to keep an eye out, keep watch. He didn't ask them to pray. He didn't ask them to do anything crazy. He just said, Hey, keep an eye out while I go pray. And what happened? He came back and they were, they were sleeping. <laughs> Listen, these are the folks, these are the disciples, the apostles. These are, these are the folks who were closest to Christ on this earth, okay? They walked with him day and night, every single day. They fell asleep trying to do what he asked them to do. And I, I just want a very good point to be made here, and that is we need to, we need to realize, okay, it's easy for us when we get convicted and we feel that we're you know, guilty of certain things when we fall short of God. You know We can get down on ourselves and think, oh, I'm, I'm, never, I'm never quite going to get this right. I keep falling into sin. I keep making the same mistakes. Listen, God accepted you just as you are. Amen? God accepted me just as I am. God knew what I was going to do. God knew how many times I would sin and fall and mess up. God knew these disciples would fall asleep. He still asked them to do what he asked them to do, and they still fell short of it. But the point is... Uh, God still did what He did, despite of them. It wasn't based on them and what their worth was. It was based off of God and His grace. So, I have some illustrations. I love using illustrations when I preach, and uh, I actually went as far as to make a, a, a real illustration. So, I need a volunteer from the congregation. Um, you don't have you don't have to like you don't have to say anything. You don't have to even do anything difficult. You just have to stand up here and hold a sign. Okay, we have one volunteer. here. <laughs> Kelly, come on up. OK. Amen. Amen. Yeah, come on up. Over on this pew over here, can you grab that sign and uh, stand you can stand on this side and just hold it up. OK. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Amen. OK, Has anyone seen this before? Raise your hand if you've seen this. OK? Now now, OK, good. most of you have seen this. What is this? It's a road sign right obviously do you know what this sign means it's it's supposed to be self-explanatory like if you look at it it should be kind of apparent this means like you're driving down the road right this is a median you should go this way don't hit the median right very simple sign and this sign is usually posted on a on a post like right on the median right at the beginning so you don't drive on it my wife I said hey do you know the median sign and she's like what what are you talking about when I showed her the picture, she's just like, "Oh yeah, I know what that is." You know, just one of those things that we see all the time, but maybe we never really think about. Well, I just want to give you a little story, um, because the the point of this illustration is that God gives us simple, simple commands. Okay. Uh, back when I was 17, I had my first car. It was a hand-me-down. It was a 1995 Toyota Corolla station wagon with 190,000 miles on it. It was my dad's car. Uh, he drove it all over like the state for like hockey practice when I was younger, and uh, he was able to get a newer car. Awesome! So he let me learn to drive on it and use it. And I apologize to my mom and dad if they're watching this from the West Coast; they might actually not know this story. <laughs> so uh, this might this might get a little uh, a little dicey. But uh, thankfully, I'm separated by a few thousand miles, so they won't be able to do much to me tonight. Um, amen. So anyway, I, uh, I had it in my mind that I wanted to, as a 17-year-old, spend some money on my car, right? To like. Soup it up and make it faster or better or whatever. So uh, you know, back in 2002, I went on eBay. I didn't have an account, but my friend in high school did. Save guy, his name is Vince, awesome guy. Uh, He helped me buy an intake for my car. Right, got an intake for the car that was like 15 bucks back in 2002. I bought this thing called a a strut tower bar. Strut tower bar. If you pop the hood, you have the two struts on like either side of the of the of the hood. and they go right above the wheels, they hold the struts. Well, the struts are braced underneath the car for stability, but a tower bar goes like over the top of the engine. Like It mostly just looks cool, but as a young person, I was like, oh, this is gonna make my car handle like a Formula One race car. I'm gonna be able to take turns like super fast and this and that. So I get this thing installed, and uh, I'm driving one day with my friend in the car, and I wanna test it out. I wanna see how the handling is on this 1995 Toyota Corolla station wagon, which has no business being driven in any kind of fast capacity. Very slow car, very cumbersome car. When you turned, it would roll a lot, like you'd feel the lean, you know what I mean? So anyway, uh, my friend Vince is in the car and uh, we're, we're trying to uh, test this thing out. So it's raining, of course, which is bad for traction. But I think, okay, I'm gonna bust like a, a super hard right-hand turn, right? and just I'm just gonna like make this thing look super impressive to my friend here because he helped me get this thing. So we're driving up on this road and uh, you know it's a green light and I'm gonna make a right-hand turn and I get ready and there's really like nobody coming so I bust this hard right and like I go on to the next road and right on the road ahead of us is a median. Well, if my car had turned the way I wanted it to, I would have gone to the right of the median. But guess what happened? My car went straight onto the median and this sign that was right there on the, on the median and wooden post, I hit it with the front of my car. And uh, in Washington State, you have a license plate on the front of your car, so I hit it dead on with the plate. The post busted, the sign fell forward, and I'm sitting there in my car on the median, stunned, thinking like, what have I just done? I've ruined my life. My life is over, this is it, this is gonna be the end of me. A car was driving the other way, and like, was stopped at a red light and saw the whole thing. And after about five seconds of being like lost in my head, I threw it into reverse, I backed up, and I just left. I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. I'm like, I, I can't stick around here, this is, this is it. Um, luckily, there was no damage to the car because it hit the license plate. Uh, I didn't drive back to that street for like three weeks. I was like, I'm not going back there, I'm, I'm staying away. Well, finally, after a few weeks, I went back and uh, there was a brand new sign up. <laughs> so I guess they got it fixed. But listen, the, the whole point of this illustration the whole point of this illustration, thank you, Kelly, is God gives us simple commands. Just like this road sign gives us a very simple command. You should avoid this median, okay? And the reason I wasn't able to follow the commands of the sign was because I wasn't in control of the car I was driving. I was driving recklessly. And listen, God gives us simple commands. His word is simple. You know, in the Old Testament, God gives us ten commandments to follow. Christ shortened it to basically just two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Simple commands. Simple commands. But guess what, just like me being not in control of my car and I couldn't follow those simple commands, if I'm not in control of my mind and my body, I can't follow God's commands. And if any of us aren't in control of our minds and bodies, we can't follow God's commands. So what does it mean? Well, as a young person, if I'm driving, I need to be less crazy. I need to take my time. I need to just slow down and focus. As an adult out there in the world, which is full of sin, I have to keep control of my mind and my body Maybe that means if I'm walking down the street and I see something that I shouldn't be looking at, I turn away. Maybe if it means I'm, if I'm out somewhere and there's something that shows up on the TV, I shouldn't be staring at, I look away. Maybe it means if there's people talking at work or uh, whatever place, saying things that I don't want to be a part of, I remove myself from it. I don't, I don't join in, okay? Being in control of your mind and your body is going to allow you to follow God's commands better. And this is evident right here when we look in verse 36. Listen. Christ said to his disciples, gave them two commands. Well, really just one. Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. He asked them to sit and watch. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. You know, the disciples fell short of that. And we as people in this day and age, we fall short of that. And every day, I'd say I probably sin every day. You know, like there's times where I fall into sin and I know I'm falling into sin. But there's things that I do that I'm probably not even aware of you know that's the scary part so i really just need to to dial back on myself and just give it all to god you know if you find yourself slipping in your mind or your body don't let yourself stay in that situation go and pray get some help do something about it you know if you let yourself go down the wrong road long enough there's going to be a price to pay and sadly you know if we go down that road we'll turn it back on ourselves and we'll blame ourselves And Christ would lift us up. You know how many times I've been close to sinning, but I actually remove myself and I go pray? Like maybe it's at work and I'm about to just like lose it and flip out. (laughs) about to start throwing stuff, breaking stuff. And I'm like, let me me not lose my job. Let me just go take like a bathroom break, a water break, and let me just pray (laughs) for for five seconds, 15 seconds. If I do that, I come back feeling much better. But I got to have control of my mind and my body to go do that. And the disciples here, they did it, okay? So I want to go on to the next thing here. Um, This message is called One Hour. And if we look in verse 40, Christ asked him to watch and stay awake and and keep a lookout. And Christ came back after praying. I don't know how long he was praying. Uh, It seems like it was about an hour. But in verse 40, he comes to the disciples and finds them asleep. And he says to Peter, what? Could ye not watch with me one hour? And I don't know if this is really... uh, like, is Christ trying to, like, twist the knife in Peter and say, like, <laughs> you messed up and you couldn't even do it for an hour? I don't really think so. I, I think this is making a point for us. And I, I think the point here to be made is that, you know, the Bible commands us to put God first in our lives, right? So how many hours are there in a week? I already did the math. 168. 168 hours in a week. How many hours do we, do we give to God in a week? One? Two? Two and a quarter? I mean, I, you know, I'll say I give God an hour on Sunday, an hour here on Wednesday. If you add up all the other time during the week when I'm praying, reading my Bible, it might be another hour and a half. I mean, honestly, it's it's not much. And if I profess to put God first in my life, shouldn't it look shouldn't it look like I'm putting God first in my life? You know, sure. We all, you know, we work, we do these things. But 168 hours in a week, you can find a few hours for God, right? Why is it so difficult? And it is difficult, isn't it? It's not easy always to go to church. It's not easy always to open your Bible. You know, this, this year we're all trying to, to make headway and read through the Bible in a year. That's awesome. You find that it's, it's tough some days, right? You wake up and you just, it might be the last thing your body and your flesh wants to do. And we need to just understand that even those closest to Christ struggled with this. So it's not like we're not alone, Okay. Every Christian, everyone who's ever been saved has struggled to try and put God first because it's against our flesh. It's not a natural thing. It's a very difficult thing. But just, I want you to think about it from God's perspective, right? Because God wants to spend time with us. He's always willing. We're never going to come to God and God is going to say, I'm too busy for you. It's never going to happen. You're never going to come to Christ and Christ is going to say, no, you're on your own today. God is always going to listen to you. God is always going to be there. Christ is always going to answer prayers in his time. But he will never turn you away. He will never leave you nor forsake you, the Bible says. That is a promise of God. You can stand on every single promise in this book, okay? But I just want to give you another illustration about how you got to think about this. Because, you know, maybe, maybe you're giving God an hour or two a week, okay? And that's, that's a great start. But, like, what could God do if you gave him an extra hour? an extra two hours, an extra three hours. Could you go out soul winning on a Saturday? Could you do something for the church to help, help out around the building? Cleaning, cooking, you know, doing whatever it takes. Could you learn an instrument to be used for the service of God? Could you join the choir? Could you learn a special music? There's, there's ways to serve. There's always ways to serve. And your flesh will try to hold you back and say, no, 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 you don't have time for that. Don't listen. That's a lie. If you want to serve God, God will allow you to make the time. Amen. Uh, I just wanna give you an illustration kinda of to, to drive the point home. Has anyone ever had to interview someone for a job? Like to, you're gonna, you're trying to hire someone for a job or whatever? Okay, uh, a few of us. Has anyone ever had a job interview? So you were applying for the job and you had to go through the interview process. <laughs> I Me, mean, I'm on both sides of the coin, uh, amen. Now I want you to imagine, just uh, imagine like a, a perfect job interview, right? If there is such a thing. You know, you meet the person, you're, you're making some nice small talk you're hitting it off, you're applying for this job and you really want the job because it's a good company to work for. They got benefits, they're gonna take care of you. And uh, you get through the job interview, you're answering all the questions, everything's going well, everybody's smiling and laughing. It's just, it's a good fit, you can already tell. And you get to the interview, you get to the very last question. And they say, hey, you know what? I think you'd be a great fit for this company. Uh, We'd we'd really like to make you an offer. Uh, Let's talk about the schedule. Like, How many hours are you willing to work? You're looking for part-time, like 20 hours a week? 30 hours a week, you want to go, go full-time, you know, 40, 45 hours? And can you imagine this job applicant saying, you know what? I'll give you one hour a week. <laughs> Just one. I'm only looking for a one-hour-a-week job. What is this job? What is the employer going to say? <laughs> like, listen, I, I, you might be the perfect person, but if you're only going to give me an hour a week, you, you're, you're, you have no value to me. You have no value to the company. What can I do with you for an hour a week? How long is it going to take me to train you if you only show up an hour a week? Right? And listen, the employer is kind of like God. And we're kind of like that job applicant, right? And I'm not saying you need to give God 40 hours a week, you know? Unless you're working full time for the ministry, you probably won't. But how absurd is it to give God an hour, maybe an hour and a half a week, and think that we're doing our best for God? Listen, it hurts me to stand up here and say this because... As I say this, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone. I'm pointing the finger at myself. Because there's days where I could read more scripture. There's days where I could probably make it out to do something else in the church. There's days where I could go talk to my neighbors about Christ. Do I do it? Sadly, usually I don't. You know? And then the one week or the one day where I go out and I do something and I talk about Christ, I think, all right, I'm I'm doing great. I gave God an extra five minutes. You know? When we think about how good God has been to us in our lives, when we think about how much Christ gave for us, he's not asking for much in return. I mean, God will take whatever we give him, but what if we could give him even more? Would he bless us more? Absolutely he would. And blessings come in many different forms. Um, But God's love, God's grace, God's peace in your heart, the more time you spend with God, the more of that you're going to get. You know, you read about some of the prophets in the Bible, like Elijah, right, and like Noah, and uh, just some of the, the big figures in the Bible, like David. You know, how many hours a week were they giving God? How many hours a week were they on their knees just praying? Probably 10, 15, 20 hours a week, if I'm, I'm guessing. Because they had all their faith in God. They relied on him so fully. And it's a challenge for us in this day and age. You know, what? We're, we're so absorbed into the world, it's hard for us to, like, it's like kind of trying to like take our feet out of like sticky glue just to break out of the world and go to God, you know? But he's calling us and he'll help us. We just got we got to be willing. We got to be willing. And I'm I'm just begging you this year 2022. Whatever you've done for God up until this point, don't settle. Don't think this is it because living for God is a full life endeavor. You know what? In your years to come, you're going to be able to go further and further with God because someday Someday, if you're saved, you're going to give God all your time. Amen? Someday with God, you're going to give him all your time when you're in heaven with the Lord, okay? And the Bible says one day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Amen? We're going to have all the time in the world to praise our Lord and thank him for the good things we've done. Now, that either either is a peaceful scene in your mind or it's a scary thought. And when I was younger... And sometimes still now, it's kind of a scary thought. Like, wait, I have to be with God 24-7 for all eternity, like billions of years, singing hymns and praising him? But the older I get, the more I understand that those moments of peace in your life when you're just with God and you're not worried about anything and you're just trusting him and your faith is on a high level, it's going to feel like that. It's going to feel like the best feeling you've ever had. You're not going to be worried about your body, your family, your tears, anything. You're just going to be alone with your Savior. Nothing could be better than that, wrapped in his love, wrapped in his light, wrapped in his joy. And that's where heaven's going to be someday. And that's our reward. That's what we're working for. We're not working for the things of this earth. The things of this earth are all going to pass away. These pews, they're not going to be here forever. This building, not going to be here forever. Our bodies, not going to be here forever. We're going to get new bodies in Christ. We're going to have a new kingdom to reign with the Lord in when we get to heaven. But everything I just said, it only applies to you if you're saved. If you're not saved, you're out. O U T out. The only way to get to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now, when you hear those words, you have to decide is he telling the truth or is he lying? If he's lying, you might as well go about your life and go do whatever you want because it doesn't matter. If he's telling the truth, you better be fearful for your soul because if that is the truth, and I'm telling you it is, that Christ is the only way to heaven, nothing else matters. Nothing else is going to matter in the end. When you stand before God on Judgment Day, nothing else will matter but your faith in Christ and where you stand. So if you're not saved tonight, this is your message. Get saved. Period. End of story. Don't wait. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. This life is even a vapor that passes away. Amen. So verse 40 talks about the disciples not even even being able to give Christ one hour of watch. And he comes back and finds them. Uh, But I want to back up just a little bit. And I want to look in uh, in verse 31 and 32. Because there's there's something really profound here. Um, This is right after the Last Supper. Christ is with the disciples. And in verse 31, he says to them, he says, All of ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered abroad. Now, the disciples don't know what Christ is talking about here. And it's very evident as you read these next few verses. What Christ is saying, though, is he's telling them up front, Listen, I, I'm not going to be with you forever. I'm going, I'm going to the cross. And it's happening today. I'm going to the cross today. And when I go to the cross as the shepherd, when I get smited on that cross, all of you are gonna scatter, and all of you are gonna deny me and forsake me. And that's what Christ is saying in verse 31. And then he gives them the good news in 32. He says, But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And again, the disciples don't know what he's talking about here. But we, being on this side of history, we know. Christ is talking about in verse 32. He's talking about how he's gonna how he's gonna raise himself up from the dead. Conquering victory over death, and he's going to defeat hell and sin on the cross, raise up again, and go before him into Galilee anew. And Peter answers and says, I'm not going to deny you, Lord. I would never deny you. And in verse 34, he says, well, Peter, uh, before the morning comes, you're going to do it three times. And what I find really interesting here is that in verse 35 and 36, Peter says... Again, he says, after God tells him, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Uh, Peter says, no, I won't. I won't. I won't do it. And, and at the end of verse 35, it says, likewise said all the disciples. So all the disciples told Christ, we won't deny you. Christ doesn't even answer them this time. Christ answered Peter the first time. When Peter says, I won't deny you, Christ says, no, you will, three times. After they all say it again, Christ doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't even respond. He's like, listen, I know they're going to do it. They don't believe it, but they will. They will believe it when it happens. See, Christ already had his made he already had his mind made up. In verse 30 and 31, or in verse 31 and 32, it's clear if you read these words of Jesus. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's laying down his life for the sheep. He knows he's going to give up his life willingly to pay the penalty for sin. And he's challenged big time in verse 38 and 39, when he's exceeding sorrowful, even unto death, and he asks him just to watch. And he says, oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. This is not easy for Christ. This is not easy for Jesus. If you think he just waltzed up there to the cross and said, okay, it's my turn. No, this is difficult. This is difficult because think, think about this, okay? The Bible says the road to destruction is wide, but the road to heaven is narrow, and few will find it, okay? Christ, in this moment, this night, as he's thinking about going to the cross, He's thinking about all the billions of souls, billions of souls that haven't even been born yet that will deny him despite what he's doing. How many people get saved in this earth, in this life? One in 1,000? One in 10,000? One in 100,000? I have no idea. God knows. In the Lamb's Book of Life, it's written down. But Christ knows that most people will reject him. Most people will scorn him and never accept his mercy on the cross. And he still goes through with it. He still goes through with it. If you had to ask me to do something for a group of people, and I knew only one, let's say it was 100 people, you asked me to do something nice for them, and I knew only one person would say thank you, would I feel like doing it? <laughs> no, I wouldn't waste my time. i say forget it. They're not going to appreciate anything. What's the point? What's the point? But Christ still went through with it. Amen. He knew they would deny him. He knew most people would never accept his salvation. He still did it anyway because he loved Every single one of us. He loves everyone. And he just wanted to give them that chance. That chance that they would accept it was worth it to him. Even if it was only one in a thousand, one in a hundred thousand. One in a million. I don't know the answer. We may never know. But I know the Bible says few there be that will find it. It's talking about salvation. That means most people will not. There's seven billion people alive on this world today. Maybe eight billion. I don't even know anymore. But how many of them are going to reject Christ? Most of them. Most of them. It's a sad fact. These pews aren't full. Amen? How many more people could we fit in this building? I'll tell you, when we had a, a blessed soul, he's in heaven with the Lord, Brother Josh, when we had his funeral, this place was packed. It was, it was great to see, you know? God will use us, and he will. We have to just give God the time. If we're giving God an hour or two a week, let's give God more. Let's see what he can do with it. But listen, Christ went to the cross despite us. He didn't do it because he knew everyone would get saved. He did it because he just, he wanted to give us the chance. That was worth it alone. That enough was, was that was good enough for him. Just the chance that we might accept it. I'm going to give you one last illustration uh, for this message. And I want you to imagine with me. Imagine um, like the ocean, the shore, okay? But not the way you might think of it. Of it. You might think of it uh, full of people, <laughs> full of umbrellas and nonsense. No, 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 no. Imagine a, a, a nice ocean beach, but it's quiet. There's nobody out there, just one person. There's a, a, little, a little boy walking along the beach. And you walk out there, you're you're wondering what's going on. It's early in the morning, the sun's coming up, maybe 6:30, maybe 7 a.m. And this little boy's walking along the beach, and the tide is like going out. So it was high tide, right? But now it's going out, and the water's getting further away from the beach. And as you get closer, as you start looking at this little boy and uh, thinking about what he's doing. You get eyes on him. You realize this beach is covered in starfish. If you've heard this story, don't spoil it. Uh, this young boy is walking up and down this beach. It's covered in like thousands and thousands of starfish. They washed up during the high tide, and now they're stuck on the beach. And with the water going back out, these starfish, unless they get back in the water, they're not, they're not going to make it. They need to be in the water to survive. And this little boy, he's walking up and down, and he's picking up these starfish. And he's chucking them into the ocean one at a time, picking up this one chucking it into the ocean. And you walk up to him and you look around and you say, listen, young man, it's cool what you're doing, but there's got to be like 150,000 starfish on this beach. You can't make a difference. What are you doing? And instead of answering you, picks up another starfish, throws it into the ocean. Then he turns to you and he says, I made a difference to that one. Amen? And that scene... You know who that little boy is? That little boy is Christ, looking for those of us who are willing to get saved so he can throw us back into the ocean of eternal life. And the devil might walk up to Christ and say, why are you even bothering with this? Listen, the devil tried to get Christ not to go through with going to the cross. If you read the whole, if you read the whole gospel, even though Christ was tempted in the wilderness, when Christ got close to the cross, the devil tried to get him off the cross, tried to prevent him from going through with it. And so we might say to that little boy, like, it's a waste of time. You might save a handful, but most of these starfish are going to die. What's the point? The point is, Christ loves each and every one of us so much, he would have done what he did even if only one of us chose to get saved. That is the depth of Christ's love for you. In other words, if all 8 billion people on this planet chose to go to hell and reject Christ, but you chose to get saved, God still would have gone to the Christ for you. He still would have gone to the cross for you. Christ still would have laid down his life for you. That is how much he loves you. Think about that for a second. Think about how special you are to God. You know? God gave up everything just for a chance to be with you. That is how much he loves us. And regardless of what we do in this life, we can't escape that. We can't run from it. What's done is done. When Christ went to the cross, that was it. You know? And I, we just need to be reminded of that sometimes because God's love is so overwhelming. It's so hard for us to even ponder how great it is that we just need to really just thank him and praise him for being so good to us because we can't repay God. We can't pay him back for what he did for us. How can I, what can I give God to justify me going to heaven for all eternity? Nothing. I haven't done anything in this life that's worthy of that. Not even close. My righteousness is like filthy rags, the Bible says. But God did it, and God saved me by his own grace. And it's not because of anything I did. It's because I have faith in Christ on the cross. Because I have faith that when he laid down his life, a few few verses after this, when he goes to the cross and lays down his life willingly to pay the penalty of sin, he gave up his perfect life for you and for me and for everyone on this earth to make a choice, that we could accept that and believe in it and put our faith in it and have salvation and have eternal life, or we could reject it, close the book, walk away, ignore it forever. And sadly, most people will choose to do just that. When you talk to people about Christ, friends, family members, loved ones, some of them you might think as you're talking to them, they might be just looking for a way out of the conversation. It's a sad thing. They might not want to give you the time of day. Does that mean it's not worth trying? Of course it's worth trying. Of course it's worth trying. Listen, you don't know what God's going to do. You may say something to somebody one time about the cross and about the truth and about heaven and hell. They may blow it off for five years, but then somebody else might pick up the trail where you left off. And God might use someone else to just pry that nut open a little bit further. And someday that person's going to stand there, whether it's of their own accord or on their deathbed, they're going to stand there thinking of eternity, wondering if they should put their faith in Christ or not. They're going to have that choice. And we don't know what part we play. We just got to play our part. And if I give God an extra hour next week, maybe he can play a bigger part in my life with that. You know what I mean? What we do is not for us. It's for God. It's for the kingdom of heaven. So let's keep focus on it, because if we could just give God, everyone in this building, if we could just give God one extra hour next week, looking around the room, that's, that's like 40, 50 hours of ministry, amen? And I don't know what that means. Maybe, maybe you go on Facebook, and you just say, Jesus Christ is Lord, and you just wait for a comment to come back, and you start talking to somebody. I don't know. Maybe you text somebody and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I don't know. Think of something you could do, just something. We could do so much more. I could do so much more. And when I go home and watch this message or listen to this message later and and, uh, think about how goofy I look being up here, I'm going to listen to myself talk and I'm going to think, you know what, that's not even me speaking. That's God telling me I need to do more. Because this word, as you read this Bible, it's going to convict you. The Holy Spirit's going to hit your heart a little bit. And that's how you know it's working. But it's a lifelong journey. I don't have to go like zero to 60 in two seconds. I can go zero to 60 in 10 years. Because if I'm moving my life in a positive direction for God, I'm on the right track. And I just need to hang my hat on that. Don't try to be a superhero. Just think about how you can give God one more hour. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you've been so good to us. You've been so great, and you've done so many amazing things, Lord. We just thank you for what you did on the cross. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you for just doing everything that you did, Lord, not because we're worthy, but because you're worthy. And Lord, uh, this night, if there's anyone here, Lord, who hasn't put their faith in you, who's not saved, I pray, Lord, that tonight they would make that decision to put their faith in you and choose eternal life, Lord, because the alternative is to be eternally separated from you in hell. And Lord, I don't want that. I, don't, I know you don't want that. But Lord, that is what you will allow people to choose if they want to. But please, Lord, convict our hearts. Stir us up. Uh, motivate us, Lord. Encourage us and lift us up that we might be of service to you. Help us, Lord, to be willing. Help us, Lord, to remember to pray in those moments, Lord, where we're losing control of our minds or bodies. Help us to remember to pray and turn it back to you and ask for help, Lord, because you will help us every single time. And I just, I thank you for being so good to us. And uh, please bless the rest of this night, the rest of this week. And thank you for all that you do, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Maybe you're here tonight and and, uh, you thought to yourself, you know, I can give God one more hour. You know, one more hour I can give God. um, You know, if you've been trying to read through your Bible this year and you've been pushing yourself, you know, just stay the course, keep going, keep pushing forward. You know, but if that message spoke to your heart and you say, you know what, I can do more for the Lord. You know, there's time that I use for things that don't make a difference in this life. Um, Only thing that's going to matter in the end is what we do for Christ. And just as Brother Rob said, that was a great message. You know, when we speak to people about the things of the Lord, those are going to be the things that are going to echo in their minds, even on their deathbed in their last moments, because they're not our words, they're not... Well-crafted words are the words of God. So think about that as we go through this world. What are we doing these things for? Amen. I just want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. Um, Thank you for uh, joining us on the live stream. And uh, we've got a service on Sunday at 11 a.m. And then just a reminder too, we do have a special music practice on uh, tomorrow, Thursday evening at 7. Um, So be here for that. And uh, just continue to pray for one another. Continue to pray for the Woods as they travel back home. And uh, everybody, just give Brother Rob a round of applause for a great message. Amen. <laughs> uh, that was a great message. Just one more hour. Amen. And and don't don't hit the median. <laughs> good. All right, everybody, have a great have a great night. Thanks so much for coming out tonight. God bless you. And I will see everybody uh, either tomorrow or on Sunday. Amen.